Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your precious word, uh, that reveals your um, promise to the world of a Messiah, a Saviour and King. And thank you for the New Testament that tells us how all your promises uh, find their fulfilment in the coming of your, uh, your Son, our Lord Jesus. And so thank you for Matthew's Gospel, and we pray that as we read it now, uh, hear it read and preached, that you would speak to us, uh, encourage our hearts, and draw us to see the wonder uh, of who you are and what you've done for us in sending Jesus uh, into this world to save us. Uh, so please do your work in and through your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Heather. Good morning, everyone. This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Sarah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asa, Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, Jehoram the father of Uzziah, Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amon, Amon the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile to Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to the Messiah. Well, I say the key to a good opening of a book is a killer opening line. Um, and uh, so maybe if you're a reader and a Jane Austen fan, you'll know the um, ending to this line. It is a truth universally acknowledged. I know some of you are finishing this line right now. Uh, a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Um, or uh, one of my favourites, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. <laughs> There's Tolkien's The Hobbit opening line. Or my personal favourite, 
There once was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. Uh, that's uh, C.S. Lewis's opening line of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Well, we're kicking off a series in Matthew's Gospel today. Uh, Matthew uh, is the first book in the New Testament, and here we have the opening to this first book of the New Testament. The New Testament, the second major part of the Bible, the greatest seller of all time by far, the book that has transformed more lives than any other. And here is this great opening to Matthew's Gospel to the New Testament. And what is it? <laughs> uh, it's a genealogy. It's a list of names. And, and sort of you kind of think, you read this and you think, well, come on, Matthew. I mean, uh, surely you could have come up with a better um, start than that. I wonder if that seems odd to you. Maybe it doesn't, though. Maybe you're really into genealogies. It's a bit of a thing uh, recently, a bit of a resurgence in interest in this kind of thing. Uh, maybe you've seen that show, Who Do You Think You Are?, where they take celebrities and show them their history. Uh, ordinary folk like us can do it, too. You can actually even send off your DNA to get tested and show you what your ancestry is. So my wife Miriam did this a few years ago uh, and discovered that um, apparently she's probably related to Ned Kelly. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> but there's, there's something about looking into your past, your family tree, this lineage, that, uh, the, your, your family history. There's something about it, isn't it? It kind of gives you, helps to give you a sense of identity. Of It places you in history. It gives you that sense of where the bigger picture that you plug into. Uh, well, Matthew starts off this eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. He starts, starts it off by helping us see where the, this bigger story that Jesus plugs into. He helps us to see it. Uh, and, and even though it can seem odd to us at times, it can seem a little bit strange, it's actually, if we hear it rightly, it's actually a, an explosive and masterful and incredible beginning. Because what it does is it, it shows us who Jesus is in a really powerful way. You get that in the first verse. Uh, Matthew opens his gospel by saying this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So that first verse is sort of like a summary of the whole genealogy. And he brings forward these two uh, characters. And they come later in the list. So why, why does he bring highlight these right at the start? He's saying that these two people are key to understanding who Jesus is. If you want to understand Jesus, you've got to understand these two people. You see, God had given both of these guys, David and Abraham, both of these figures in Jesus' genealogy, God had given them both incredible promises. And right at the start here, what Matthew wants us to know about Jesus is that he's the one to come and fulfill both of those amazing promises. So what were they? Well, um, David uh, is the first one there. Uh, Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David. Messiah just means anointed one, and it was the term given to the kings. Uh, David was the greatest of the Old Testament kings, about a thousand years before Jesus. And, and what uh, Matthew's saying here is that Jesus comes in this line of David, this line of kings. But he's not just any old Messiah. He is the Messiah. We'll get to that in a moment, though. But uh, what the promise that God had given to David was that from his family tree, from his descendants, someone would come. There would be one who would come who would be the eternal king over God's kingdom. Uh, you can read that in 2 Samuel chapter 7 if you want to look that up. Uh, God had made this amazing promise to David. And as David's family goes on, you, you, you keep looking for this one who would come. Maybe it's David's son Solomon who starts off really well. 
But then he ends spectacularly badly and it becomes clear that it's not him. And you just get over and over again this expectation, this hope that's dashed. Uh, and what, da- what Matthew does is from verse 7, he traces this line of kingship from David all the way through. He traces it down and, and you're thinking, is this the one? Is this the one? And again and again, it's no, it's not. This isn't the one. Um, uh, in fact, these kings become so corrupt and they lead God's people so far away from God that God brings his judgment on them in the exile. And that's what we've been looking at in the book of uh, Isaiah recently. And, and you get that from verse 11 onwards. But what's really interesting is this, this exile, this judgment of God where these foreign powers invaded and um, dragged away the people of Israel from their land. Uh, this exile seemed to be the extinguishing of God's promise to David, the, the cutting off of this line of David. But what Matthew is really wants us to see here is that all the while through that, this line of David's descendants kept going. It kept going. The candle was still burning. This candle of hope. Uh, and there's this real sense of waiting as you get to this, um, this genealogy in Matthew. There's longing as you keep going through for this Messiah to come, this son of David. When would he come? This ultimate king of, this ultimate descendant of David who would inherit this kingdom. A sense of longing and waiting. And we feel that at Christmas, right? Maybe you're feeling that at the moment. Kids tend to feel this better than us uh, adults who uh, seem to forget this around Christmas time. This sense of real excitement and longing for Christmas Day to come. They're looking under the Christmas tree, shaking the presents. Uh, the uh, opening of the Advent calendar or whatever you have at home, uh, this feeling of anticipation. Well, that's just like a, a tiny picture of what's going on here, of the feeling of longing and anticipation uh, that God's people uh, felt at this point when Matthew's writing this. Uh, hundreds of years, centuries of waiting and longing for God to come and fulfill this promise to David. And then you get to Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, tracing through this line of kings, this line of David. And Jacob was the father of Joseph, uh, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called... Oh, you can kind of feel the the tingling at this point. Who is called? The Messiah. He's here, finally. The Messiah, the anointed one, God's king, this this king in the line of David, he's here finally. He's the one, the one they've been waiting for. So we have here the Messiah, the son of David. That's what Matthew really wants us to focus in on and and see. But Jesus isn't just the son of David. Uh, You can see what what, uh, Matthew does here. He he doesn't just go back as far as David. He keeps going back. He goes back all the way to Abraham, the other um, figure that's really highlighted at the start of uh, this genealogy. And just like God had given that promise to David, he'd given another remarkable promise to Abraham. And here's where Matthew wants us to see just how big what Jesus came to do is. He didn't just come to be this king in the line of David over God's people. He was that, this eternal king over God's kingdom. But he plugs into a much larger story. Israel themselves uh, were, were, were just part of a, a bigger story of what God was doing with the whole world. Uh, right back in the early chapters of Genesis, those first 11 chapters tell the story of the world, of God's loving creation of the world. Uh, 
of him making people in his image, of the tragedy of people, humanity turning away from him in rebellion and pride, of cutting themselves off from him, of the devastation that followed out of, that flowed out of that. In those first chapters, there's just this kind of um, this spiraling out of control of a, and this picture of a violent and corrupt world that's uh, in, in slavery to sin and death and suffering. But then you get to, then you keep reading and you get to Genesis 12 and you find out that it's, it's not actually out of control because God isn't done with his world yet. And so he chooses this one man, he chooses Abraham. Uh, and he chooses Abraham to kickstart his great plan to restore the world, to undo those, the curse of sin that has so ravaged his world. And he makes this promise to Abraham. He promises that Abraham would have this big family, which is a major promise because Abraham was old and his wife was old and they didn't have any kids. But he promises that they would have a massive family that would become a great nation. Uh, he'd give them a land to live in. But not only that, here's where his promise really sort of takes off. Um, he promises that through them, uh, through them, and in particular through one of Abraham's descendants, through Abraham's seed, that through this one who would come out of Abraham's family, God would bring his blessing to all nations of the earth. He would use this family of Abraham and one seed, who would come, one descendant to come out of it, to bring his blessing to all nations. This incredible promise that God made. This seed of Abraham who would heal the whole world, who would undo the devastation and horror that was caused by humanity's sin and rebellion. The one who would reconnect us to God, who would reconnect us to each other. And so what Matthew is showing here is not only that Jesus is king over God's people, He's the king who would bring about God's blessing to all peoples. Uh, and it's something that Matthew's really excited about. It really grips Matthew. And so by the end of his gospel in chapter 28, maybe you know this, uh, Jesus, the risen, uh, the, who, who's, who's, he's uh, died on the cross and risen again. The risen Jesus commissions his disciples and he says, Go, go into the, all the world uh, and make disciples of all nations. And so there's this, here, right at that point, there's this fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. Uh, Jesus fulfills it and uh, in his death and resurrection. And uh, he, through his disciples, he fills it, fulfills it as his gospel is taken out to the world. Uh, so Matthew's really excited about this and he, and he focuses in on it. And that's, what he, that's why he highlights that Jesus is the son of Abraham. But there's another way that he shows it, a really... Um, a really profound way. It's a subtle way that he shows it through this genealogy. Uh, one of the things to keep an eye out for while you're reading through these genealogies is breaks in the pattern. So you get a pattern set up. Uh, Abraham, the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob, etc., uh, etc. Et but along the way, um, there's, there'll be things that break the pattern. And that's a way that the, the person writing this really wants us to sit up and pay attention. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then Judah, then Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Do you notice that as you read through? Why is Tamar mentioned here? Uh, in these, these genealogies, typically, they just trace through the male line. So what's going on here? And then you keep reading. Uh, verse 5, Rahab is highlighted, the mother of Boaz. 
And then Boaz's wife, Ruth, is also uh, highlighted. And then down in verse 6, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. She's not named here, but her name was Bathsheba. So Matthew, Matthew, in in this genealogy, he highlights these women. And what's going on there? Why does he do that? Well, there could be a number of reasons. Uh, One simple reason could just be that he he wants to highlight the place, the important and central place that women had in Jesus, uh, in Jesus' own um, followers, and in His uh, mission and His ministry, He treated women, especially those who are on the outer, He treated them with incredible dignity and acceptance. And it's really interesting to see how Matthew, the the uh, which women Matthew highlights in this genealogy. He doesn't go for the um, the the great matriarchs of Israel. Uh, Abraham's wife Sarah, for instance, he chooses these unexpected women. It's, uh, they're all kind of, in their own way, they're all marked by some kind of, um, some kind of scandal, actually. And you can read about that in the accounts in those early books of the Old Testament. That um, they're all marked by some kind of moral scandal. They're kind of moral outsiders in some way. But not only that, they're also ethnic outsiders. Uh, so um, Tamar and Rahab were Canaanites; they weren't uh, Israelites. Uh, Ruth was a Moabitess. Bathsheba was married to Uriah, who was a Hittite. And so, uh, right here in Matthew, uh, Ma- right here, Matthew is showing us, uh, as he highlights these women, he's showing us that that promise to Abraham, <laughs> right back in Genesis 12, that incredible promise to undo the fall and for God's blessing to go to the nations. That promise was actually being played out all through Israel's history as people from the nations came and joined in with this people. And that was like a sign pointing towards the ultimate fulfillment of the promise to Abraham in Jesus Christ, who opens the floodgates so that not just uh, in dribs and drabs individual people from the nations could join God's people, but God's kingdom opens out... (laughs) in this dramatic, incredible way so that anyone from any nation can put their trust in Jesus and enter into it through faith in him. It's incredible. Well, uh, where have we come to? Matthew wraps up this genealogy. He's shown that uh, Jesus is the son of David, the promised Messiah, the king. He's shown that he's the son of um, Abraham, the one who would fulfill that God's promise to Abraham, who would bring God's blessing to all nations of the earth. And then in verse 17, he finishes off, he sort of summarizes it. And uh, he, he has this summary where he says that there's 14 generations from Abraham to David, David to the exile, the exile to the Messiah. It's this really sort of beautiful, symmetrical picture of, of this um, historical account. And what Matthew's doing in, in putting it like that is he's highlighting the way that this whole story that was so messy and broken and filled with sinful people, proud people, filled with hurting people, filled with broken people, uh, filled with people who in the middle of it all would never would have really struggled to see God's hand at work, would have really struggled to see that God was working his plan out. Uh, what Matthew's doing is he's showing that uh, despite all of that, all the mess and chaos, God was actually powerfully, deliberately at work 
through all of this. He, he was bringing about his great sovereign purpose, his sovereign plan. Through all of this history, he was preparing the way for this moment, for the birth of this one that Matthew's about to go on and tell us about. Uh, this one that we're preparing our hearts to rejoice in at Christmas. Um, and so what really comes out here, friends, as we reflect on this genealogy is that history, history is not just a set of random events, random chance events. It's not just blind, pitiless indifference. Um, it's not just an endless cycle either. Some people view history like that. Or on the other hand, it's not just a blank slate that we can master and do with whatever we want. Uh, no, this short opening to Matthew's Gospel, it lifts the veil to the an incredible true nature of, of history. Uh, it really is his story. I mean, it's a bit cheesy, I know, but it's true. History really is his story through all its details. Uh, deeper than its chaos, deeper than its mess, history is, in fact, the deliberate unfolding of the loving plan of God to redeem the world through his Son. And that is such good news. It's such good news in a world that seems so uncertain and so messy. Uh, what's the most important thing happening in the world right now? Well, it's not the coronavirus, even though it might seem to be. It's not the US elections. It's not international tensions. It's not national politics. Uh, now, if we see Matthew 1, if we hear it rightly, if we accept this word, the most important thing happening in the world right now is the same as it was last year. It's the same as it has been for the last 2,000 years. It's this. It's the great announcement of Matthew 1. He's here. Jesus is, is the king. He's the king who has come to fix humanity's great problem. He's the king who's come so that all nations uh, can, be, can come to him and find life in him and forgiveness. You see, knowing and trusting him and the great reality that's on view here, knowing and trusting that, that is what will give you a steady foundation that you can live your life out of, even when the world seems to fall apart around you. And that's true. It's true not just on a big scale, on a huge global scale. It's actually true in the details. It's true in the mess. It's true in your, in your life. Um, it's true for me and for you, if you are Jesus' person. You see, trusting Jesus means your story gets plugged into that great story. Uh, it means that you get united to him, grafted into his tree, his family tree. And that means, well, it means that the one who sits at the centre of all history can also sit at the centre of your history, of your life, and does if you are his person. Uh, so if that's not you, though, maybe you've been tuning in, uh, listening to this, and, you know, that's not you. You sort of, you haven't come to this one, you haven't recognised him as God's king, as the one who can bring God's blessing to you. Well, if that's you, that's what's offered to you today. And I just want to urge you to take hold of that. 
uh, to trust in this king who promises to forgive you, who has achieved that through his death and resurrection. And we'll keep looking at that as we read through Matthew. So stick around for that. Uh, to trust him and follow him as your king. But if it is you, though, uh, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, if you're one of his people, it's worth reflecting on it, isn't it? You know, especially as we're, you know, we're looking ahead to Christmas uh, and some of us are a bit more organized and we're looking ahead to next year. We're thinking about plans and budgets and everything like that. Well, it just makes sense, doesn't it? If, if, if Jesus is the center of, of all history, if Jesus is the center of God's plan and purpose, it just makes sense, doesn't it, that he would also be the center of our plans, the center of our purposes. Uh, it would mean, what would it mean for you to take that Seriously, as you, as you plan for Christmas, as you plan for next year, as you look ahead then, uh, wouldn't it mean that you would make decisions, well, not with you at the centre, but with Jesus at the centre? Not, not primarily according to, um, uh, according to what you want, but what Jesus wants. It'll mean that in the mess and detail of my life, Oh, this is so, such good news, isn't it? It means that I can have confidence. I can have peace knowing that he is, in, he is in control. He sits on his throne. He is working his purposes out. But not only that, I can not only have peace, I can have purpose. You can have peace and purpose. A confidence in this ascended king and a purpose, something to live your life for, something eternal to work towards and to promote and celebrate this good news that Jesus has come, that Jesus is God's long-awaited king, his eternal king uh, who brings his blessing to all nations of the earth. Let's pray as we finish up. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your great plan fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, help us to see that. Uh, help us to order our plans around your great plan. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.